Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So good, so good. Would you guys stand with me? I know we say it, but we, don't, we just feel the Spirit of God, don't we? It's really good. It's really good. If you'd open up your word to Galatians chapter 2, verses 18 through 21, we'll also read them on the screen behind us. So you guys know where we're going. We will read from, um, we will study from verse 11 down to 21. But here I'm, I'm picking up Paul kind of in mid-sentence. And he has been uh, talking about Peter and his confrontation that he had with Peter. And he gives us some clues. Have you guys ever had conflicting feelings? Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about that. We all have. Um, We're going to talk about that briefly today, but Galatians chapter 2, verse 18 through 21. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. He's talking to Peter here, and he says, listen, you can't go back to the law. We are justified only through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? Doesn't matter how rich we are. Doesn't matter how much we know the Bible. Doesn't matter how much we pray. Doesn't matter how smart we are. It's one man, Jesus Christ, and the living God. Okay, I know you guys know that. I'm just putting a stamp on it for us there. For through, the law, um, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for, it is, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And we know that's not true. He died for everything. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Speak to us this morning. Our hearts are full of elation, God. We said in your presence, knowing that you're going to do something great in our lives. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. Fist bumple. Thank you so much for stringing with us today. We love you guys. So you guys kind of know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, some conflicted feelings in our life, you know. It's a very tough thing to understand. But can you feel love and rage at the same time? Can you feel happiness and anger? Can you feel loneliness and companionship? Can you cry and laugh all at the same time? It's called marriage. No. (laughs) That was an easy shot. That was an easy shot. Of course you can. One person said about marriage, it's about two becoming one. It's just the decision of which one they'll become. That's the conflict. You can feel anxiety and great opportunity at the same time, can't you? You know God's taking you through something, but you're not not quite sure. You can feel excitement that you know God's doing something in your life and He has something orchestrated for you, but at the same time we can ask the question, God, why me? Why, why, Why that way? And we have opposing feelings in so many different levels. If you've had kids, then you know whenever your kid smarts back to you at the wrong time, but it's really funny. What do you do? You know what I mean? Conflicting feelings. That was really smart, but that made me really mad all at the same time. How about dad jokes? Those will conflict you. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how you heal a pumpkin? With a pumpkin patch. See, conflicting feelings. Some of you guys are like, that was not funny at all. Can I tell the pastor that was dumb? I don't know. I, I tried that one out on Callie yesterday, and she gave me the same eye, eye look that most of y'all gave me. <laughs> That's how I knew I was going to use it. 
But we have these conflicting feelings on all different levels, even when it's with silly jokes or in family, maybe in employment, maybe in church, maybe in an organization that we're volunteering. We have conflicting feelings. And can we be, on, uh, be at opposing spectrums, if you will, all at the same time? And the answer is yes, because we're complicated creatures. This becomes very important, especially when we take Paul's words, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, for we are fellow workers... We are, for we are God's fellow workers, we are God's field and God's building. So at the same time, God is telling you to do something. God's telling you to step out. So you can feel a great compelling to go do something, yet not want to do it. You guys ever been there? You know God has spoke to you. There's no doubt. And you're like, I just don't know if I want to do that or not. And you don't have any excuses. You're not even looking for reasons. What's your reason? I just don't feel like it. That's, that's my reason. And we all feel that way. We all feel that when we have to have him speak to us. Can we feel peace and fear at the same time? Peace about something God's spoken to us and something that we know we need to do. But God, I don't know if I'm equipped. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know why in the world you'd call me to do what you called me to do. Peace and fear all at the same time. How about this? Can we walk in silence but also hear the chatter? It's that silent place that we go to where it seems like God's voice booms the loudest. But yet we hear the outside chatter, don't we? People telling us that maybe we can't accomplish it or maybe we won't live up to it or maybe we can't do what we set out to do. Come on, if you guys have ever had anybody give you parenting advice, you know what I'm talking about. The, the best parents of your kids are somebody else's parents. <laughs> but you hear the chatter. You hear the chatter. We can be calm and be turbulent, can't we? It's like being on a boat and looking down and you find the calmness of the boat scooting across the water at 30 or 40 miles an hour and it feels good and the water is glass. If you've ever been out, you know what I'm talking about. But then you turn around and you look to the back of the boat and you see the prop in the water and it's all, everything but peaceful. There's all kinds of turbulence going on underneath. And you feel the calmness of God in your life. He's calling you to teach. He's calling you to reach. He's calling you to speak in somebody's life. He's calling you towards a business. He's calling you towards a family. He's calling you towards something that you just don't think you can understand. Come on, do I have anybody else who's been there with me? And we do from time to time. We put on our church face. How are you? I'm good. Just wonderful. But in, inside, man, you had to slept in three days, barely eat. It can look that. Can we be in both places at once? And the answer, and the answer is yes. And this morning as I come to you, I want to explain these verses in chapter 11 of, second, of, of Galatians chapter 2. And we see some things. Paul has confronted Peter. Now this is the apostle Peter. This is not somebody just off the streets. This is the one who got up and, and gave, the, gave the sermon. 3,000 people were added to the church just like that. Matter of fact, they didn't have a church. Then <laughs> 3,000 souls later they had a church. This was Peter that walked with Christ, that saw him do miracles, that even the Spirit of God did miracles through him that was able to call people out. And we see him in a situation where he has a conflicting emotions. We see him where he has conflicting feelings. And what has happened is he's in this place called Antioch. And in Antioch, he's eating with people who are Gentiles. Now, there's two different major groups, the Gentiles and the Jews. And the Jews had many strict regulations, and the Gentiles, well, they didn't. They just kind of did whatever they, they wanted to do. They didn't have all the regulations that the Jews did. But Christ had called them out of this and said, Listen, no longer is married into heaven. No longer is any of that based on what you do. It's based on Jesus Christ and him alone. He was the sacrifice. So Peter's at Antioch hanging out. He's hanging out with Jews. He's eating with Jews. 
I mean, excuse me, he's eating with Gentiles. He's talking to Gentiles. These people of, of, could be of different races and different beliefs. He's having all kinds of fun with them, man. He is having a party. Then his boys show up, some guys that he may or may not know. Some people who were devout Jews show up to this scene. And Paul begins to call him out and say, wait a second, some things have changed about you. He says, before the certain men came from James, which there are scholars that believe that maybe some of them did come from James, but they were probably putting up a front like, we're hearing somebody's name, but they really weren't. So, so it influenced Peter, and he said, and, and he was eating with the Gentiles, and he was hanging out with them. Then all of a sudden, these people showed up, and he began to pull away. He began to back up. He began to change his posture. Have you ever felt the pressure to change? Here we look in the text and we see that, that Peter knows he's walked with Christ. He knows God's voice. He, he knows how he speaks to him, yet he's in this situation that's almost like a pressure cooker. And Paul talks to him and says, listen, you, you cannot do this. He, he says, listen, why are you acting so hypocritical? You're, 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 you're trying to act like a Jew, but just a minute ago you're eating with Gentiles and saying it didn't matter, but now you're withdrawing and you're pulling back. Peter, we cannot do this. He talks to him and he says, listen, it's not by works, it's not by the law, Peter. You're acting like what, you're, what you used to be and we're no longer who we used to be. Can I get an amen? And then we, we hear him say things like, you can't go back to what you tore down, what God has destroyed in the sense that it's no longer based off the law, Peter. And you're getting around these guys and you're starting to hang around and your demeanor changes, your countenance changes. You, you change. And we see, we catch Peter in, in a situation that just is, well, it just encourages me. Because I struggle with that sometimes. And it does anybody else. Yes, even the great apostles of the time struggled with situations that we struggle with. Those internal moments that you're like, God, I know what you're telling me to do. I, you don't even have to tell me, God, I know what to do. I just don't want to do it or I don't feel like I need to do it. Now, this is very important that we find Peter in this verse and we see what's going on as Paul confronts him because we understand some things that whenever competing feelings are left undealt with, like we don't deal with them, we don't go back and say, God, what is your feeling? What are you told, telling me to do? I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what I think is right. I got to know what's right, and that's found in your word. That's found through you, Christ, so show me. And whenever we just leave those and we don't talk about them, we begin to kind of like Peter, we begin to pull back and we see something set in in confusion. Confusion sets in in this story. There's a guy named Barnabas, and Barnabas was a great guy, and he even had influence on Paul, the great apostle Paul. And we see in this scripture here that, it, that, that Paul says, hey, even Barnabas began to pull back. What is going on here? Are we confused about who we are and what we are in Christ? And we can get there. And confusion is a very dangerous thing because when confusion sets in, we see fear sets in. And then we begin to see when fear sets in, people begin to make their own rules, don't they? And we see boundaries go out the window. Look at our nation. We get to choose our gender? No way, not biblical. It says train a child in the way that they should go. It does not say let them choose because we know they're fickle and it's going to be a lot of fun. Right? Now, this is the thing. But if we look at a young person who is confused, they throw all the boundaries out the window, and now they experiment with everything. You guys got your toes tucked in your shoes this morning? I had to have it when I was praying, so. 
But, but we see confusion setting in here, and when that happens, people begin to make their own rules. Peter pulls back, and maybe, you know, I can kind of justify some things. And Paul says, no, you can't do that because confusion and fear. Then we see the pressure cooker begin. So now we, we have these feelings that we haven't talked about, haven't addressed, and confusion rises, fear rises, the pressure turns on, and then we see frustration. Now, I'm not saying that Paul was so mad he started flipping tables and kicking people out, but he did address him face to face. And you're seeing some things go on here, and then what leads to hypocrisy, he goes, listen, you're being a hypocrite, Peter. And that is very dangerous. Because hypocrisy always gives us a reason to justify. It gives us a reason for excuses. Well, I can be the way that I am because such and such. Well, well, my, well my posse came into town. Does anybody have any posses? Bonanza. Dun, 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 dun. We all have people, groups, and friends that we hang out with. And, and we feel that pressure, and you guys know what it's like to feel the opposite pressure when God changes your life and you no longer hang out with who you did hang out with and do the things that you did do, and some of those people shun you. Oh, there goes holier thou. Can I say congratulations? That means your life's changed and people notice it and they don't know how to handle it, but we got to be patient and kind with them. Paul here was being patient and kind, but when confusion sets in, then we see fear, no boundaries. People begin to kind of do what they feel. Then hypocrisy, and people begin, that leads to excuses and justification. So it's incredibly important that we understand that as Christ deals with us, that we all feel conflicting feelings in our life, that we all feel this. It's very real. It's what the apostles dealt with. It's what we deal with. And we need to say, how can we... Face it and confront it. I believe that Paul lets us know some things here. The first thing that I see as I look into this story, the first overarching thing that I see is that Paul and that Peter wasn't afraid to listen to people. The first thing, if you're taking notes, listen to people who care. Whenever you're dealing with conflicting feelings, listen to people who care. Don't, don't be afraid to have people who can speak into your life. I know with me, I have about five people that speak into my life that can pretty much say anything they want to. If they see some hypocrisy, they can address me. If I preach something from the Word that's not biblical, they have permission to come up, and that's happened one time. Good thing it happened before I preached. I sat down in a living room with one of my friends, and I said, I'm thinking about preaching this. He looked at me in the eye, and he said, Matt, the good news is what you're preaching is biblical. The bad news is it isn't even in that text that you just read to me. <laughs> I had one of, my, one of my mentors sit down with me and he said, Matt, the issue is we can tell when you're prepared and when you're not prepared. You've got to clean that up. You've got to have people who are willing to speak into your life who absolutely care. And Paul cared. He didn't just care about Peter. He cared about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He cared about Peter becoming the example that Jesus had ordained him to be. And we can't do that if we live in hypocrisy. We can't do that if we live in fear. We can't do that if we live in confusion. So we take our conflicting feelings and we go before the Lord and we say, God, we know that all of us have them. Now, how do we deal with these? You go to that person and you get advice and you have them speak into your life. It was very funny that the Apostle Paul was on his first missionary journey. A guy named John Mark abandoned him about a third of the way through it. He's getting ready for his second missionary journey, getting ready to do some work for the Lord. And somebody says, hey, why don't you take John Mark with you? And he goes, no way am I taking that guy with me. He abandoned me the first time. I'm not going to be anywhere around that dude. I mean, it's in the text. It's really, it's really I mean, it's, it's there. And he says, I, I don't want him to go with me. 
So Paul and Silas go one way, Barnabas and John Mark go the next, and, and they still accomplish things for the church, that God's still doing things amongst their ministry. But it's interesting that 10 years later, Paul is writing about John Mark, the guy who had abandoned him. He's writing about John Mark and, and Philemon, chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, and he calls him a fellow laborer. About 10 years later, he also writes Colossians, and in that one, he says, listen, church, I want you to receive John Mark. Because if he comes to you, I want you to receive him. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, which is extremely interesting to me, because we see Timothy step into Paul's life, no doubt saved on one of his missionary journeys, if not the first one. And, and, and of all the letters that, could have, that, that, that Paul could have written, he continues to write to one young man named Timothy. I mean, he could have written to any church, anybody, anywhere, and people would have listened to him. But there's this young man named Timothy that he continues to write to. And, and in his second... In his second letter, he writes this about John Mark to Timothy, his son in the faith. He says, take Mark and bring him to me. He is profitable for the ministry. Even Paul began to listen to people that poured into his life. Well, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, listen, this wasn't the time of social media and cell phones and all this other stuff. When people did things, it was eyewitness account. Either I have witnessed it or the people that I would told me about the change that had happened in John Mark's life. So you have to come to that point where I'm going to listen to people who care. Now, before we, before we leave that subject, there's something that I want to address. Because if you're that person that has the opportunity to pour correction into people's life, be very careful. If you cannot wait to correct somebody, if you're sitting on the edge of your seat and you got your tippy toes and you cannot wait to slam the gavel, you're probably not the person that needs to be delivering the news. <laughs> I've been waiting for 10 years, dude. You know, like I don't think you're supposed to have boxing gloves on, but I understand, you know. But, but Paul did some things right, and just quickly, we're not going to go into a confrontation message, what happens, but, but here's some things. First of all, Paul sat down with him face to face. He said, but when Cephas or Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him face to face. It's very important that as we put correction in people's lives, if you have that opportunity, do it face to face. Oh my goodness, people, cell phones and emojis, God, it just doesn't work the same. You can't always tell through a text or tell through a voice over the phone, can you? And don't do it through a sticky note. Don't do that either, okay? I've heard breakups through sticky notes. That's always bad, okay? Sit down face-to-face. -face. You'd be surprised. People are crazy, and they're getting crazier, okay? Face-to-face. -face. Next thing that we see is, is he also had some background. So verse 12, we see before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back. Paul began to notice something about Peter. He began to drew back, draw back. Now, this is very important because this draw back, this is also withdrawal. This is a military term. So what, what, what Paul was witnessing is Peter actually about facing. So he was walking with Gentiles. He was loving Gentiles. He's spreading the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, his buddy shows up, feels the pressure internally conflicted, and begins to turn around and walk the other way. That's what this means. And we've all been there. We've all been in that situation. So you need to have some background. As Paul was confronting him, he understood. He understood Paul was a Jew of Jews. He understood all that stuff. He understood what Peter was going through. He had some background. Don't, don't, don't whenever you're trying to confront somebody, please don't rely on your second cousin's mother's twice removed. Well, they were talking to me the other day. Really? Please don't confront me and do that. Because it's never going to end well. And finally, what we see is he had some firsthand information, right? He had some first. He said, I saw. I saw. So I know background. I know what's going on. I've see, but I've also seen it. 
I've seen what's going on here. And, and whenever you confront, do all that in love, right above all. Can we, can we get an amen on that? Just above all, do in love. It, it, we're, not, we're not, Jesus Christ is the great correction, not, not, not us. But, but, but we still have to do that here. But he goes in there and he says, listen, and that will help us confront some of these opposing views that we have, some of these opposing emotions. What else did he do? As we move on here, it says that he kept moving forward. In verse 18 of chapter 2, Galatians and 19, it says, For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through, for, through, uh, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. And he goes, listen, if we're going to keep going, whenever these feelings arise in our life, whenever these emotions arise in our life and they begin to pull at us, whenever full uh, fear and calmness and, and the different things that we um, are in as far as family and job and there's so many different situations that we can be in, you cannot go back to where you came from. He's talking to Peter and he's saying, listen, you already tore down that stuff in your life. Why are you going back to the law? We are not justified through the law or for what we, through what we do. We are justified through Jesus Christ. And you have this new revelation in your life that it's grace through him and him alone. But the way that affects us is so many times God is leading us onto some scary territory. He's leading us into some new things. He's caused us to have a promotion at work. There's a change that we're not, we're not sure about. There's a family situation or a relational situation in our life. But we know that God is in the midst, but we're not sure what's going on. And what we have a tendency to do is digress back to where we started from. We go back to those old attitudes. We go back to those old emotions. And part of the reasons why we go back to that because we're entirely too comfortable from what we, with what's behind us instead of what's in front of us. And that was, Paul, that was Peter's deal. He was way too comfortable with his homies, with his boys that came back from there. He knew how that felt. And he didn't want that stuff coming up against him. But listen, you and I have some things in our life that God has called us to do. And yes, it is scary. Yes, it is waters that we haven't navigated before. But that's what God causes us to do. He causes us to move forward. Paul put it like this, that we forget those things which are behind us, right? And we press on towards the mark. Don't go back. God, and you work too hard to tear down those silly emotions, those things that had you captured. You and God has worked too hard on them. Don't go back and rebondage yourself, Amen. And if I stomp my foot, it just makes me feel good. Don't go back. Don't, and it's so easy to go back. And if it happened to the apostle Peter, it can happen to us. So we got guard. And, 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 and we, we go up and we say, listen, I'm going to fight this. So we move forward. I like what he says with the trans transgressor. He says, you will be a transgressor. You'll be an offender. And listen, he was saying, listen, you're going to offend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everybody. It's not based off of merit. It's for everybody. And whenever you and I you step back into what we came from, we don't want to offend the gospel because the gospel is not to keep us from going backwards. It's to, it's to make us go forward. Amen? So, so we have to go. We're not a transgressor. We're, we're that opposing force against, against hell, against Satan's attacks, and we're walking forward. Paul also says something else here. It helps me understand that whenever I have these, set your mind on what God has called you to do. Set your mind. I have been crucified with Christ. Period. I love Paul here. If we had politicians and leaders that would speak this clear, it sure would solve a lot of things. I have been crucified with Christ, period. He doesn't leave any room for discussion. He says, listen, I have set my mind. Peter, we have set our mind on this, that Jesus is who Jesus said he is. 
that he did, that he died on the cross and then he rose again and we believe that. And my old flesh that wants to hang out and say that that's not true, my old flesh that wants to say something else is important, that can no longer live because I am crucified with Christ Jesus. And whatever God has spoken to you, whatever fear you're chasing down, whatever fear you're confronting, whatever situation you're in, you just remind yourself that I can make it, I can make it through this because my old life is dead and I'm alive in Christ. I've made up my mind. And yes, it gets scary. My goodness, if you can do it on your own, why would you need God? I'm going to stomp my foot again. It's funny, you get on to three-year-olds for stomping their foot, and I'm up here doing it. I'm not even doing it to, uh, you know, like I'm singing. We already tried that two weeks ago. <laughs> that was bad. Matthew 5 and 37 says, Let what you say be simply yes and no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Yes and no. I'm set my mind. So here's some ways that we can help set our mind. You can get organized. What decision are you trying to make? Let's get organized and know your subject. Whatever God's calling you to, I'm going to get organized. I'm going to know a little bit. Don't overthink it. I have a bad habit of overthinking stuff. You don't want to do that. There's nothing worse than a thinker who can't think. Trust me. It's very disorganized. Okay? You want to get organized. Get some sound advice. We talked about that. Talk to some people who have been there. Talk to some people who care about you. Consider how the future looks. Yeah, it's an awesome vehicle. But how's it going to feel with that $750 a month payment? You're going to get to go out and be like, look at my pretty truck. And then you can go on back to work because you got to pay for that sucker. <laughs> you know it's true, guys. We know it. We know it. And we've all been there. Okay? Consider how it looks. And for some of you guys who are looking for uh, mates for the rest of your life, consider how it looks. I'll go on from that. Number four, rest before you make the decision. Just get some easy, st- listen, just go take a nap. Lay your head down. Wake up. If it's still bugging you in a couple days, then it's okay to address. And I'm not talking about sin. Sin we need to address. Can I get amen on that? I'm talking about stuff that bothers us easy sometimes. Lay down. Take a day or two. Number five, accept that there is no perfect answer. Now, Jesus, we know, is the perfect answer to salvation. But listen, every, the decisions that we make include men and women. And guess what? We're all imperfect. So what does that mean? Whatever we're going to be dealing with is imperfect, you know? We've got to realize there's just no perfect answer. You've just got to step forward, and God will put the pieces together. And finally, accept your decision. I wonder how many marriages would look different. I wonder how many families would look different if people had that in their mind, that I have accepted this role. I've accepted this marriage. Instead of scrolling through social media and wishing we had something we didn't have. Because the reality is that person that you think wants you couldn't put up with you either. Um, I'm telling you, I know this is true. There's no telling how many marriages that didn't have to end because of people connecting with each other and garbage and stuff like that. We're into strong families. We're into strong marriages. We're into strong communities. And and at your job, this is my job. This is my career. I've accepted this. I'm going to do it wholeheartedly. This is, what, this is what Peter said. He said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I come to the realization that it is no longer, who, 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 it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. I've set my mind, I've made up, I, I, I've accepted it, that it is Christ who lives within me. And you've got to love that. 
Set your mind on what God has called you to do. Do it wholeheartedly and do it unapologetic. We're, we're, we're trying to apologize about everything. My goodness. No, God has called us for healthy relationships. He's called us for healthy jobs. He's called us for healthy marriages. He's called us for healthy churches. And we're going to do everything that we can do to walk in those footsteps after Christ because we've set our mind to it. Amen? Amen. We've set our mind. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And you can see that punctuation marks. But he goes on, and what's something else? Sometimes you just have to accelerate your faith. Have you ever been in a situation that has escalated very quickly? Like you're in a conversation with somebody, and somebody gets mad the next thing you know? Like, it's crazy. I'm giving you time to think. Those situations escalate fast. And here we see that Paul doesn't stop. Not only have I been crucified with him, not only does he live inside of me and I no longer live, but then he goes a little bit further and he says, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in who? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He, I mean, he, he steps it up. He gets real serious. Like, I was quiet, but now I'm not going to be quiet. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't, it really wasn't super important to me. I mean, I'm trying to talk to you about this, but let's go ahead and go a step further. That I realize that he gave his life for me. That I realize he loved me. And we begin to see his face begin to escalate. And there's nothing wrong with that. In your situation, what God's calling you to, get in that position where you have to raise your faith a little bit more. Begin to pour whatever you've got to pour into it to make your faith rise and capture what God has called you to capture. You know, planting seasons all around us. Uh, we fertilized all this lawn. I say we, Tanner and his group, fertilized the lawn around here. And he told me today, he said, Matt, we got this rain. It's really going to help it grow. Because we realize when you put fertilizer on something, it really begins to kick it in gear and escalate its growth. And we can do that in our faith. I was thinking about Jesus. We've, we've got to have more of Christ in our life. You know, from Christ is we can find water and we can find food. Think about that. What other thing can we find both of those nutri nutrients from? And if you want to escalate somebody's health, you give them more nutrients. John 4, 13 through 14 says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give them, they will never thirst again. John 6 and 48 says, I am the bread of life. So from the same source, we see both what we need to drink and what we eat. And this is Jesus Christ. Have you guys ever had soggy bread? It just makes, I just can't do soggy bread. One of my least favorite things to eat is whenever you get the French rolls and the meat in them and then you dip it in the, the liquid and then you take a bite of it and you bite into soggy liquid bread. Like that is my least favorite. If you like it, more power to you, but not me. But you know from Christ it's not soggy bread. You get the bread of life and you get water and you get the nutrients to be able to escalate your faith. And what God's calling you for, when you're in that situation, whatever you're walking through, it might take you put, putting yourself in the position where you can say, how do I feed my faith? How do I keep adding to it? How do I put the proper nutrients so that this thing will build and then as God leads me, I can confront and I can take on and I can build and I can keep moving forward. And we can do that easy ways. The practical side of that is we know that it's prayer, the spiritual side, right? Prayer and fasting and worship. 
study, study the Bible, meditation, just get in the Word and, and meditate. And those things are, are become the bread of life, but at the same time, it's the, it's the quenching of our soul that we see. But there's also a physical side to that. We want to serve. Go serve your church and, and volunteer and let the light of God shine forth through you wherever, you at, wherever you're at and see if your faith won't begin to build. See if your faith won't begin to express itself in multiple ways. And just self-discipline. God, whatever I've got to do, whatever I've got to push myself away from or say no to to get in that place to be where you can use me. You know, watermelon and oranges are two interesting things. They provide both. Both of them is over 80% water, but at the same time, they can sustain you physically. They have vitamin C and vitamin A and magnesium. They also have potassium. Oranges have potassium. And that's how we have to view Christ. That he's not just a place. He's not the source where I can get one thing or another. I, through him, I can escalate my faith. And when I sit down and read the word of God and I read Christ, I can take the bread of life into me. And then, Holy Spirit, I need you to quench my thirst. I need you to speak to me. I need you to show me. And then all of a sudden, I see from the same source, I can get food and I can get water. And see what your faith won't do. See if your faith won't escalate because what God's calling you for, we can't have a small faith, can we? God's called us for great things. He's called us to do wonderful things in our community. And as we see the world change, and as we see different things happen in workplaces, we're not going to have time. Listen, the small faith is going to be rooted out. I'm just going to be here to tell you. Okay? And Scripture tells us that. These little seedlings that pop up, and, and they're plucked, and the, and the sun comes out and dries them up. Listen, you've got to have a big faith. Now, it's, it's, it's rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, but we've got to have that faith that says, listen, come hell or high water, this thing is going to grow. I know people don't like it. I know people don't agree with it, but that's okay because I go back to the source and I get the nutrients that I need. I worship till I get happy, right? I read till I get happy. I go ahead and praise God when I don't feel like it. Why? Because I know that's where the nutrients. And I grow and I escalate my faith. And finally, what we see here is that we cannot devalue grace. We have to value grace. Paul is writing here and he says, listen, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And what he's saying is, listen, don't treat grace as meaningless. Grace matters. And whenever we pull back from what God is leading us into, we devalue grace. Because we think, God, there's no way I can do this. Or God, my uh, reputation is more important. Or how people look at me are more important. No, God, your grace that fuels me to know that you're going to take care of me in any situation that I get into, that's the most important. And Paul is talking to Peter here, and he's talking to us, and he says, listen, do not set aside the grace of God. Value it. And after we come out of the, as we come out of the Easter season, we know what Christ went through so that we could walk in that grace forever. And you might be sitting there and thinking, Matt, I just don't feel very valued. I know that I'm supposed to value Christ, but I don't, I don't know if, I'm, if, if I have any value. You don't know what I've done or what I've seen or what I've been a part of. Let me tell you, Christ died for you. He gave his life for you. He thought you were so valuable that he went through all that for you. And the first step in valuing Christ is always submission, which is salvation. Christ, I want to make you Lord of my life. It's no longer my rules, but your rules. It's no longer what I think is right, but God, I want to do what you think is right. And I know that salvation comes through Jesus Christ and him alone. So I submit myself, I bow my knee, I drop my pride, and I say, Christ, come into my heart and my life. But for my brothers and sisters that you've already done that, don't devalue grace. 
God has you where he has you because he knows that he can get you through it. But man, I got myself in this situation. Give God time. It doesn't mean there won't be consequences. It doesn't mean things won't be complicated. Give him time because grace is for everyone. Well, I didn't get myself here. I feel like God pushed me here. Well, then get really excited because God's about to do something. Because he's going to work a miracle and you value grace. And the way that we can value grace is A, salvation, but number two is God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for your love that we feel in this place this morning. And God, as our hearts are bowed to you, we look into Scripture and it is, it's encouraging. It helps us, God, to know that we're not the only one, the only people throughout time that has struggled with competing feelings, competing emotions. That God, we know as clear as day you're speaking to us and yet sometimes... It's just difficult to walk out on what you've called us to walk out on. Father, maybe we don't understand what you're calling us to, and that's the problem. We know you're speaking to us, but at the same time we feel peace. Man, we, see, we feel a lot of turbulence in our spirit. At the same time, we feel that excitement growing because we know you're using us and you're doing something great. Well, there's office, this little bit of fear, God, that just pops up and says, you can't do it, you can't make it. We listen to your word and we know that it speaks great things that you're inside of us and greater are you inside of us than anything that we could face in the world. But yet we still feel insignificant and we don't know if you can use us. But we know what your word says. Father, it's feelings that we all feel. And Father, to the one who's set in the seats and they're not right where they need to be, the one that is on the other side of the vice that is streaming, they're not where they need to be with you. I pray that their heart would be given to you, that their life would be given to you, that they would surrender to you. And Father, for us as brothers and sisters, that as you call us to do things, as life throws all kinds of crazy stuff at us, we know you're with us. And we go back to what you say and what you do. Would you guys stand up with me all over the auditorium? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.